0: Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance.
1: You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today is going to be a really fun show because we're going to talk about urolithin A. Okay, maybe you don't think it'll be fun, but trust me, it will. Because there's a huge amount of new knowledge from two experts who know a lot about plants and how plants interact with our cell biology um, The first of the two has a background in cell and molecular biology, biomedical engineering. His name is Chris Rinch. He's a PhD, 20 years of experience, has written original publications that have been published in science journals about urolithin A. This stuff affects muscle function, cells, and mitochondria. And you guys know I'm kind of a mitochondriac here. And our second guest is Navendra Siram, a PhD, who's a professor and chair of the Biomedical and Pharmaceutical Science uh, Institute or department at the University of Rhode Island. And he runs the Bioactive Botanical Research Laboratory, figuring out what medicinal plants and their natural compounds can do against chronic human disease. Welcome to the show, Navendra and Chris.
2: Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks,
1: Dave. I want to start, Navendra, it's really interesting that there's a whole university department about this. You know, How do we get compounds from plants and separate them out and do things like that? What got you into plants?
2: My department, as, as you said, the Biomedical and Pharmaceutical Sciences Department is within the College of Pharmacy at, at the University of Rhode Island. Now, people are probably wondering what does nutrition and plants have to do with pharmacy? Um, interestingly enough, the field that I, that I work in is called pharmacognosy, which is, if you will, you could think of pharmacognosy as being the mother or the father of pharmacy. It's where the discovery of drugs started, you know, since ancient times. Um, you know, my background—I'm a third-generation East Indian. As my name, you could tell, in the vendor Serum. but I grew up in uh, the British colony of, of Guyana which is uh, oh, what's wow. British Guyana. And it's now uh, Guyana since independence. It's in South America. But being a third generation growing up in a very poor uh, third world, uh, a country um, where, you know, there is not access to medicines and physicians like we know over here. You know, I'm, I'm in the United States. I've been here for, for many, many years. So, um, you know, when we were uh, kids growing up, um, and we had a toothache or a tummy ache. You know, we'll go to mom and grandma. You know, they had an Indian origin, and say, so, you know, what can we take? And you know, they would say, take a certain plant, uh, make a tea or, or chew on it, and, and lo and behold, the plant works or worked. And so, from 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 growing up, um, from my time as a as a boy growing up, my interest was very piqued in what in plants are actually responsible for you know, these effects, powerful effects that we know um, in humans. And from then, you know I progressed. I did my PhD in the beautiful island of Jamaica, uh, Kingston, Jamaica, the University of the West Indies. And then I, I migrated to the United States. I did a quick postdoc at Michigan State, spent some time at UCLA. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the pomegranate and we get back to that. And here I am at URI, still trying to understand what are the bioactive constituents in plants and how they can benefit human health. So a long answer to your short question, but uh, I'm sure we can wrap back around, Dave.
1: I have a belief system that's crystallized over the last 10 or so years, and I want you to poke holes in it or or agree with it, but this is not something I've really talked about publicly, but you're the perfect guy to ask. I think most plants want to kill you. Uh, in fact, we know that, because if you just pick up a plant in your backyard and eat it, you're not going to like your day. <laughs> so... Um, the process of cooking is largely, or at least in part to re- or processing that includes fermentation, all that is to remove a bunch of the toxins in it. I'm seeing extraction methods, whether they're pharmaceutical or alcohol extraction and all that, it's just a way to remove the harmful group of stuff that we can tolerate, but isn't good for us and amplify the good stuff. So I'm kind of looking at the pharmaceutical stuff you're doing is just modern cooking in a certain way. Which allows us to take plants we might not want to eat a lot of it, but this one thing in the plant we would benefit from. Rather than as a pharmaceutical science, really, it's just advanced way of, of removing
2: the bad, uh, so yeah. that you can
1: leave the good. Is there is there good thinking there, or am yeah, I kind of no, oversimplifying? There's good, think,
2: there's good thinking there, and we we, okay. we may need a different program. To, I mean, a, a lot a lot more time to, to, to kind of delve into this. But you were right. You know, sometimes we're 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 extracting, we're doing cooking to maybe again, as you just said, removing or or maybe increasing, fortifying, increasing in that bioactive constituent or group that we would want. You know, a, a good example from the Caribbean, um, where I grew up again is uh, cassava, also known as yucca. This is a very toxic plant and it oh, has yeah, cyanides in it. <laughs> but you know, somehow the people figured out in ethnobotany and ethnomedicine that by cooking cassava. And throwing away the water, you can get rid of, uh, of the cyanogenic glycosides. And then, and then you'll consume the food for its starch. So, you know, humans and plants have co-evolved for centuries. And you're right. Plants don't care about us. Uh, they're obviously protecting themselves. And they produce these natural products or these secondary metabolites for their competitive advantage. Well, we could argue that maybe as plants and humans co-evolved, the plant became very colorful or it has its beautiful berries because humans can see color. So eat me, cultivate me so you can disperse of my seeds and you can make me procreate and, and keep on going. Maybe that's one thought. Uh, certainly you have toxic plants, but certainly we have these edible plants which humans have been cultivating and consuming for centuries. And to get back again to the question, you know by consuming these natural products, these are hardcore chemical, Compounds. These are not vitamins and minerals and fats and carbohydrates and proteins. These are. You look at their chemical structure. You know these are really drug-like type molecules. And when you think of our body of we're consuming these molecules over time, you know our liver getting to to do its thing in terms of detoxifying and 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 our kidneys and excreting. And over again, you know, over gut microflora. I'm sure Chris is going to tell you more about that. Uh, convert, oh, yeah. Converting some of these natural polyphenols um, that are found naturally in the plant into further bioactive constituents, which I think is really where the you know the rubber reads the road. Meets meets the road. When we talk about plant-based
1: compounds, like you said, there's so many of them. And yeah, caffeine and nicotine are amazing. Um, by the way, smoking's bad for you in case anyone's misconstruing what I'm saying there. I just like the anti-Alzheimer's effects and the cognitive enhancement effects. <laughs> but polyphenols as a class are something I wrote extensively about in my anti-aging book because there's just so much evidence there. But a lot of the plants that contain polyphenols have stupid amounts of sugar or other toxins that I don't really want to get in large doses in order to get the polyphenols. And that's where the line between medicinal plants and herbs and food plants starts to get really blurry to me because I'd love to have you know half a gram of this compound, but I don't want to eat 40 pounds of food to get it because that would be hard. Right. Are we at the point now where you feel like we know enough about these colored compounds and foods that it's safe to say, don't you don't have to eat the rainbow and get all the lectins and all the other bad stuff. You could just take a pill that contains all the good stuff from the rainbow and throws out all the bad stuff with no sugar.
2: Yeah. Are we there? I think we're close to there, you know, the okay. the cutting edge instrumentation that we have, you know, throughout the, the world and with the scientists the ability to again as you just said to enrich in certain bioactive constituents and remove some of the unwanted constituents within the plant foods. For example, I'm just gonna throw it out uh, as an example, cranberry juice. um, People may not like the taste, or if you're having cranberry juice with the uh, added sugar, um, you may not want that added sugar, but is there a cranberry extract that could deliver the bioactive constituents in cranberries, which are potentially going to protect urinary tract from being infected? and that Why do you is, say
1: potential there? Is that because you're academic and you just have yes. to say everything is potential? You got it, Dave. We know D-mannose stops specter from sticking to the lining <laughs> of, of your uh, urinary tract, right?
2: <laughs> well, the FDA this last July just allowed a qualified health claim for cranberry. You could check it okay, out. Okay, there, there we go. So now, now we can say it's real because the FDA <laughs> it's says, it's all real. right, I got you, with, Navendra. With, with some caveats, Dave, thank you. Um, but again, you know, yes, delivering the bioactive constituents in a you know, calibrated form, with standardized, and you know what it is um, without the unwanted constituents, I think we're there. You think we're there? I'm feeling that way too. You can get almost any polyphenol
1: separated out you want. A lot of times you can't get them in a supplement that you want. Um, and also knowing which ones and in what ratio, it feels like there's a little bit going on. But hey, you, if you eat a salad, <laughs> you don't know which polyphenols at what levels you got in your salad either. So it's it's no worse than the current situation of just eating some random stuff because a health expert in the 70s said, eat a lot of colors.
2: Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, and plants are fundamentally, they're going to be, you know, they're going to variable. They're variable. You know, a, a green yeah. tea from India is going to be different from green tea, maybe of the same species or subvariety or whatever it is from, from California. So oh, yeah. how are you going to ensure that you're getting that perfect quantity or that number of polyphenols, whatever you're aiming for consistently in a standardized form? You know from foods that's one of the pluses of, of supplements however you have to be cautious in that the supplement that you're getting is a good supplement how do you know that too so that's another question to ask
1: yeah there's there's quality and dis- quality issues all over especially from smaller companies you either get really good stuff from smaller companies or really bad stuff imported from god knows where with no quality control and it's hard to tell unless you're a, an experienced buyer Exactly. So I'm, I'm 100% with you there. All right. I want to dig in then on urolithin A uh, because I, I've been a fan of pomegranate for a long time. When I lived in California, I had a pomegranate tree in the backyard. They're stupidly full of sugar, but I always thought they were good because they have something called the POM1 uh, enzyme, which is good for detoxing certain pesticides. I had a family member who was crop dusted <laughs> once and got really sick afterwards, and he actually used palm one as part of his detox pathways. But I didn't know much about Euralith A. So can you walk me through uh, what it is
2: and what you've discovered about it? Um, maybe I'll start and then push it over to Chris very okay. quickly. Um, as I said earlier, um, if your readers are now joining or, or anything like that, but I, I had moved to the USA. I had done my postdoc at Michigan, and then I went to UCLA. Um, where this is more than 15 years ago at at that time at at the UCLA center for human nutrition, I was working with a very famous scientist. His name is David Heber. Uh, He's written, you know, uh, several books. One of them is what color is your diet? As you just referred to Dave, eating a colorful diet. And, um, at that time, you know, we were trying to understand what in the pomegranate fruit and juice, um, are, are bioactive and are going to be important. um, for certain potential health effects that people had have observed for pomegranates in animal studies and, and you know limited number of, of human clinical studies at that time, that if you look at a pomegranate fruit, it has a very thick, leathery rind or a husk or this peel that you know the pomegranate is really regarded as a king of fruits. It has a crown on its head uh, on, the, on the top, but it's, it's in all of the holy books. Um, It's an interesting fruit where, you know, the the rind is not edible. You've got to really have to love bitter stuff. It's very bitter. Although in in Indian uh, traditional system of medicine known as Ayurveda, they would take the rind and they would make a spice of it. And in certain cultures, like in, in, in Iran and Persia, they will take the pomegranate and really soften it up before they stick a straw and drink the juice. So you... Where I'm getting, where I'm going with this is uh, the seeds, which are the, you know, covered with these uh, beautiful red fleshy, it's called the aril, the A-R-I-L. Those are the edible parts. Um, and the red, the red ruby color, those are, uh, uh, are, are because of certain polyphenols known as anthocyanins, which are responsible for giving several berries and certain other vegetables and grains, beautiful color. Um, but it turns out that in the peel of the fruit, uh, there there's this large class of polyphenols, which, Dave, you, you know about polyphenols very well. Uh, polyphenols are probably the most abundant and ubiquitous phytonutrients. I'm going to use that word, phytonutrients, in our diet in terms of edible fruits and, and vegetables and grains. And in the pomegranate, the class of polyphenols, which are most abundant, are known as elagitannins. And in particular, there's an elagitannin known as punicalagin, named after the botanical name or the Latin name of pomegranate, which is punica granatum. So punicalagin, as well as other elagitannins, are, are, are known as hydrolyzable tannins. It means that without getting into too much chemistry, when you consume these, these polyphenols and it gets into the body, they hydrolyze in the stomach because of its acidic pH, as I mentioned um, earlier, its acidity, and they release elagic acid into circulation. So the enigma that we had at that time when we were studying the consumption of pomegranate food products, including its juice, is how can we account for the potential health benefits of pomegranate when we cannot see physiological or detect physiological levels of the natural compounds, cunic it doesn't survive in its stomach, nor elagic acid in very, very tiny quantities in blood. So what the heck is going on? And it took us some time, and our group at that time, as well as other groups, for example, in Spain, um, got to, to the understanding that the elagitannins and elagic acid, as they get into the gut, in the lower colon, in the, in the colon, that they were subjected to biotransformation by gut microflora to convert them f- from their elagic acid form into these class of phenolics called urolithins, of which urolithin A is one of the most abundant. So it turns out, and I'm sure Chris is going to jump in here in a little bit, that the conversion of elagic acid to urolithin and urolithin A and urolithins, which would then enter the, the urolithins, enter back into enter hepatic circulation, and then those molecules would achieve, you know, physiological levels. So if I were to jump, make a leap of faith that to get the potential health benefits of pomegranate, you would need to produce urolithins in the body because it's not the natural compound. However, this is where the catch is, um, Your gut microflora, Dave, and Chris's and mine are quite different. We have this natural inter-individual variability that happens, you know, between, I don't know, ethnicity, maybe the foods we're used to eating. And therefore, I may be a converter or a responder or someone who is able to produce, because of my microflora, urolithins from elagic acid, but you're not you are one of the most
1: highly cited scientists in agricultural science for 5 years running Thank and you, you partnered with chris uh, to launch uh, to launch mitopure you're supporting chris uh, with mitopure and chris you've got a degree in cell and molecular biology and you've spent you know 20 years as we talked about before uh, figuring out okay how do we take these compounds and how do we bring them to market so people can take advantage and you guys partnered around this idea of urolithin A, which you can't get in pomegranate, but you might get if you ate a lot of pomegranate, if you had the right gut bacteria, and isolated this compound. Uh, tell me more about urolithin A and what you have discovered
3: about what it does in the body. Sure, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for asking. So, when we started um, Amazentis at the at the very beginning um, here in Switzerland the company was reaching out to try and, and understand what much like Navindra was saying uh, and sharing earlier, what actually are in the, some of these uh, foods uh, that we're eating and that are bringing these health benefits uh, to everybody. And so uh, we were looking at uh, pomegranates and and I knew that uh, Navindra was looking at pomegranates. So Navindra got involved uh, uh, as a scientific advisor early on uh, and we started looking at uh, what type of compounds might be emerging from uh, the pomegranate and urolithin A uh, is one of those. And so we we started going into the more of the biology of um, of these compounds, the biology of urolithin A. So uh, we actually produced urolithin A. Uh, as you know, it's not in the actual pomegranate itself, it's only uh, Generated if you have the right gut microflora. So we produced uh, urolithin A very in a very pure manner uh, and started testing that in the laboratory. We started testing that on cells to see well how is this really acting? Is it is there some type of um, beneficial uh, action of urolithin A? And in fact, what we saw was that it was acting on at the level of the mitochondria uh, in in cells that we were testing on, and more particularly on muscle cells. And we we found this very interesting. It was, it was very potent in, in terms of um, stimulating the mitochondria. We started testing this on, uh, uh, on these small worms they call C. elegans. They're very small worms, and the scientists are using those to uh, assess the lifespan uh, uh, And because they have very short life. And if you increase their lifespan, you can, you can see that in a, in a very short period of time because they don't very, live very long. And so what we saw was that when we started uh, incubating and feeding these worms with urolithin A, they were increasing their lifespan by about 50%.
1: I didn't get that one in, in my superhuman book. I, I list a whole bunch of different compounds that are going from about 15% up to 95%. That's one I didn't know about that study. So, okay, guys, you think you're not going to live to 100 and something? If that works on you to the same percentage, well, there's a, a, at least it's possible. So, all right, keep, keep going.
3: <laughs> well, so this is worms, of course, this is not animals uh, animal yeah. for humans, but, but what's exciting there is that, you know, we could see that it was having an effect, mm-hmm. not only in mitochondria, but it was also having an effect on quality of life at this very simple organism level. We moved on from worms into mice uh, and we started feeding uh, urolithin A to mice in their normal diet. And what we saw was that they started, um, when we were testing their just their ability to um, to run, we started we saw that they started running about forty percent uh, further and, and longer um, uh, than mice that weren't taking diets with uh, urolithin A. So it was a big surprise to us when we saw this, and and you know instantly recognized that there was some type of an effect on on the muscle function and and muscle endurance uh, from that, and we also we're looking at muscle strength and we saw about a 10% increase in muscle strength, uh, in these mice. And so over what time, uh, this was now at, at this point we were looking at, at mice that, uh, and that were metabolically challenged too. they were taking a high fat diet over several months. And so, uh, we thought, well, okay, this is something that, that, you know, takes place over several months. You need to, you may need to feed, uh, uh, and consume over several months, but then we said well let's let's accelerate this. Let's actually uh, try o- over a much shorter period. And so we went into older mice that that normally uh, you know have a a decrease in, in muscle function, if you will, just like just like humans. as you get older, your muscle function starts to decrease. After we had looked at mice that were taking uh, urolithin A for uh, several months, uh, and seeing that it was improving uh, their benefits and uh, in, in terms of their muscle function and muscle, uh, let's say, ability to run. we We looked at older animals and uh, and what we did see there was that at a shorter period of time of consuming, we were able to induce um, an increase in endurance of about 40% as well. So we thought this was very uh, exciting, of course, and, and this encouraged us to, to take this to the next level and to bring it into humans. Uh, and so that involved uh, a whole other step of basically taking uh, urolithin A and making this uh, at, a, uh, at a purity and at a quality level that was fit for human consumption. The first study that we, we did in humans was a a single ascending dose and a multiple ascending dose study with uh, urolithin A. And we did that, uh, the multiple ascending dose, we studied the effects over a month. And uh, what we saw was an impact uh, directly on the uh, mitochondrial function in the skeletal muscle tissue. So uh, essentially, people were taking um, uh, soft gels that contained uh, urolithin A, uh, for on a daily basis uh, for a period of a month. And, and we, we looked at, uh, at two types of biomarkers, one biomarker by taking a muscle biopsy at the very beginning, uh, before starting to take the, um, the product, and at the end after a month. And we looked at the gene expression profile and what we saw was an increase in, uh, in mitochondrial gene expression. So very exciting to see that the effects that we were seeing, in cells at a, at a cellular level in the lab uh, and in the, in the worms and, these, uh, and then in, in mice we were actually translating uh, into humans, and we were seeing this type of um, beneficial effect on the muscle cells.
1: What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io Dave for a seven-day free trial. And as I understand it from looking at the literature before the interview, it's primarily because of mitophagy. Is that the only or the main effect or are there other things going on? And can you tell people what mitophagy is?
3: Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent point, uh, Dave. So urolithin A is acting on the mitochondria and improving the mitochondrial function by stimulating a pathway that's called mitophagy. So what happens is as you're getting older uh, and you're leading perhaps a more sedentary lifestyle, the mitochondria that are inside of your cell they start to get um, damaged and they they get old as well. And so, each of our cells uh, that are containing mitochondria, they have an innate process uh, of cleaning up the damaged mitochondria and recycling them. And this process is called mitophagy. And so, as you um, as you get older, uh, mitophagy declines, and so the number of healthy mitochondria inside of your cell declines and so your cells are less let's say bioenergetically um, optimal if you will at, at, with that decline so uh, consequently the cells aren't functioning well so the mitochondria are a little bit like batteries inside of our cells so they get run down and so uh, what we've seen with urolithin a and this was a subject of a paper uh, that we published several years back Uh, in the journal Nature Medicine, uh, was that urolithin A was stimulating or is stimulating um, mitophagy uh, and inducing this recycling process of the damaged mitochondria to keep your cells and your mitochondria very fit and, and very uh, bioenergetically, um, let's say, optimal, if you will
1: this There's plenty of evidence around urolithin A uh, for me to have started uh, taking it. I think it's too early for me to to say. You know, I, I felt a huge difference. I do a lot of mitochondrial stimulation <laughs> and, and mitophagy stimulation, but this is something that I'm I'm permanently adding based on the evidence to my uh, my personal stack. And you guys put it in in timeline.
3: Yes, uh, okay. timeline. Uh, we we put it into this product here. It's a it's a little sachet that you can um, basically pour into your smoothies in the morning, into your yogurts and into your cereal. Is it heat stable? Uh, well, we, we have seen, yes, that it is heat stable. Yeah.
1: Can I, I haven't tried this yet because I don't want to ruin it, but if I put it in Bulletproof coffee and I blend the crap out of it, am I gonna break it up like you would with peptides or is it gonna be stable?
3: No, I, I would say you should be pretty comfortable blending okay. it into your coffee.
1: All right, I'm going to give this a shot. I think it'll add a little fruity note, and I don't think it'll be bad. And I have put grape seed extract in in coffee, which gives it kind of like a dry tannin note, like a, a dry wine, depending on which brand of grape seed extract. So this isn't a tannin anymore. But all right, I'm going to give that a try. I should have done it before the show. I just didn't want to waste you know perfect good statute of you know, urolithin A if I was going to deactivate it or something. Okay, uh, why can't I just take a urolithin A? Capsule. Why do I need a powder?
3: Well, you know, we started out uh, with this powder because we thought it would be a great consumer experience. So many people are used to taking pills all the time, but you know what we see is is this is this nutrition of the future is going to be nutrition that you know that is studied uh, scientifically and clinically proven to to have a, a benefit that's that's targeted for you. And so we wanted to introduce our product uh, in a powder form that you could include into your food. Now, some people like to eat things in food. Some people like to take pills.
1: I'm rooting for the pills because I already take a handful of pills. It'd be easy to toss one in. Uh, But in, in the meantime, I'm, I'm really intrigued at the idea of stacking things that add um, autophagy or mitophagy. And so the idea of what if I did spermidine and I did, a uh, timeline together during a fast uh, and, and then exercising at the end of the fast and, and things like that. And of course, there aren't studies about this stuff yet. A lot of people are saying, how do I get more out of an activity that I'm already doing? And so I'm already in my mind going, all right, what's my timing going to look like for this? And it seems like either during or at the end of a fast is when I'm, I'm going to start using timeline um, because that'll probably be more convenient anyway.
3: Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, in, in terms of uh, how you use it and the actual effects, um, we were speaking about uh, our, one of our earlier clinical studies. Um, uh, but more recently, we've done a clinical study that was four months long, where people were taking uh, timeline on a timeline on a daily basis over a period of four months at 500 milligrams. And what we saw was uh, an improvement in leg muscle strength. Uh, after that four-month period. We also uh, did similar types of tests that we did in our, uh, our initial study where we looked at uh, biomarkers not only in the muscle but also in, uh, in the plasma and we saw uh, an impact there, um, particularly on acylcarnitins, a, a decrease in, in acylcarnitins over time uh, showing an impact on um, mitochondrial function. Uh, basically, as uh, acylcarnitine levels are higher, that's uh, indicative of uh, mitochondria that are um, less healthy. And so, as as they go down uh, lower, that that's a sign that your mitochondria function is improving. and And the fact that you see that in uh, in your in your plasma is an indication that there's something happening not only at the level of muscle that we saw when we did these biopsies uh, in the leg. Uh, but also um, more systemically in, in the body. Of course, all, all of our cells, except for our red blood cells, contain mitochondria. But so far, the focus of our research has been on the skeletal muscle and on your muscle uh, function and strength. And so, uh, you know, I see in the future uh, a possibility to examine other potential beneficial effects of, uh, of timeline uh, in other uh, areas of health. Uh,
1: so that study that you referenced was on people aged 40 to 65 years, which is kind of cool, because uh, the research um, that was backing a lot of what I did was superhuman, and even a lot of what I'm doing with fast this way, it says everyone over age 40 has early onset mitochondrial dysfunction. That's Frank Schallenberg's, uh research. Um, which is based on you know, measuring oxygen consumption efficiency so it's it's very clean we, we don't know exactly what's going on but we know what goes in and what comes out so we can tell they're not working the way they used to so you targeted the group where everyone has an issue uh, which is pretty neat and then you found that they got stronger leg muscles uh, after four months of taking it on a daily basis 500 milligrams what's the
3: dose that's in timeline is
1: that the same dose
3: yes we we've included 500 milligrams uh in our daily dose and in each of these okay. little caches. and um, and so uh, yeah, so it, this this gives you a very convenient way uh, of getting the product. Now, if you if you say, well, okay, I, I'd prefer to get it through, um, you know, and you were referring to natural ways, and 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 so was uh, uh, Navindra uh, through a pomegranate. Well, you'd have to have a lot more pomegranate uh, juice uh, a day. In fact, what we've We've recently uh, this year completed a a clinical study where we did a a head-to-head comparison with uh, one glass of of pomegranate juice uh, and uh, one sachet of timeline mixed into a yogurt. And we looked at the bioavailability of urolithin A in the blood uh, during the first 24 hours um, after taking several time points and, and blood draws. And, and what we saw was that there was about a six fold uh, higher level of urolithin A uh, looking at this sort of area under the curve uh, for that first 24 hours when you take uh, one sachet of timeline versus one eight ounce class of pomegranate juice. So, and, and this is also, and the other thing that we found um, uh, was that those people taking pomegranate juice. Uh, we only saw about 40% of people who were actually converting. uh, And this was sort of, uh, you know, you had low converters and mid converters and high converters where all the rest, uh, you know, weren't able to to do that conversion. So which really highlights the value of one, you don't want to be taking, you know, six glasses of pomegranate juice every day. And, you know, if you can take uh, one little sachet that contains 500 uh, milligrams of urolithin A, you're getting a really precise dose that's been scientifically and clinically evaluated in humans to, to give you a, a physiological benefit. And, and so I mean, we're really excited to be able to do that and, and, and offer this to people in such a convenient manner.
1: One of the problems with pomegranate juice is like any fruit juice, if you take one eight ounce glass of that stuff and you're doing continuous glucose monitoring, say I use the Levels Health device uh, to do that, um, you're going to have this postprandial blood sugar spike that is aging and that it causes advanced glycation end products in the body. So I, I couldn't in good conscience tell people listening, hey, drink a big glass of sugar water with some allergic acid in it. Uh, On a daily basis, uh, because the long-term effects of any kind of fruit juice are not that good on on the human body. What is the likelihood of any change in blood sugar from timeline? Have you guys looked at that at all?
3: Yes. Well, you know, in terms of our product, um, we we haven't really seen any type of uh, negative or or side effect of our product, and we've now studied it and and many people in that one juice study that i I referred to over 100 people took the product so they
1: didn't see big blood sugar swings
3: very very low level of sugar we're around uh, two grams of sugar uh, in in a sachet here so So like
1: almost no no change for most people on two grams is is almost invisible so that's in my mind if if all you did was take the sugar out of pomegranate and made uh a supplement from that, like you're saying, well, only 40% of people could convert and they would convert at one sixth of the dose. And so now what we're getting is much, much more than you could conceivably drink during the day and you're not getting the harmful sugar and whatever else is in there. Usually preservatives are present in, in it as well. Is it advisable for people to continue supplementing carnitines or at least eating lots of red meat when you're using urolithin A? again, you don't have a study here, but we understand the mechanics of it I mean, do either of you guys have some thoughts on that? I know this is not clinically studied this is a, you know what do you think
3: I, I think what you know there's a number of of other supplements that are i would say uh, fuel for the mitochondria uh and and ensure um l carnitin uh it could be a a good supplement uh and it's known as a as something uh that you can take uh Fuel your mitochondria, uh, so to speak. Uh, the big difference between uh, an l carnitin and other uh, supplements uh, that are acting in sort of that similar fuel-like manner is, and and Uralithin A Is Uralithin a is really uh, optimizing the actual function of your mitochondria, where the L-carnitine is 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 more helping uh, the processing and, and, and the and the functioning uh, in general of the mitochondria. So together, uh, they, they can most likely um, uh, be beneficial, I would say.
1: Okay, so there's no reason not to keep taking your carnitine, whether it's acetylated or not. Um, okay, that, that's good to know. And for a lot of people uh, who are listening, I'd say the average dose is about 500 milligrams. I took it for a long time. I don't take acetylcholine now because when I do, uh, it raises my acetylcholine levels too much. I actually get jaw tension from it because my mitochondria are working just fine. Uh, but I have uh, no issues with the timeline that I've I've had so far because it doesn't change your choline levels, as I understand, and it's unlikely to change acetylcholine levels. I would guess, given what you guys know about pathways, are my are my choline levels good? By the way, most people want more acetylcholine. I just already have enough.
3: Any Anything going on there that you've you've considered? Uh, we haven't really been uh, studying the effects of um, urolithin A on on uh, acetylcholine. Uh, okay. uh,
1: there are studies out there that show that the size and strength of your quadriceps, your leg muscles, are correlated with the number of synaptic connections in the brain and with cognitive function. This is why you do squats. And if you have a nice butt, you probably have a smarter brain, to, to be perfectly honest. Like, like we know that, independent of your lithin A. These, these are just, you know, we we know the brain likes to know, oh, I guess I should get bigger if I had more muscles to deal with. And the mechanism for that isn't clear. Uh, so I I believe very fundamentally that you got to get your mitochondria in order. And there's many different ways to do it. And this seems like a new and interesting way. Now, here's where I'm going with this. of, or sorry, 48% of people under age 40 have early onset mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, according to uh, Schellenberger's work. Now, if you were, say, 25, and you were not one of the people who had early onset mitochondrial dysfunction like I did, uh, are you likely to see an improvement anyway? Or is this mostly for people whose mitochondria are already kind of going off the rails?
3: No, I, I would say that um, if you're, it's really important to keep your mitochondrial uh, at its peak performance, no matter you know what your general health conditions are. Yeah. Uh, if you take you know, and 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 we've seen this in in preclinical evaluation. We've we've seen in in younger uh, animals. We've seen we've seen the animals uh, who are taking urolithin A uh, improve their running uh, and as well as an older animal. So it's, mm. uh, you know, this is not, uh, this is not something only for, for people older than, uh, 40. It's not something for people only older than 60 or something.
1: It, it works throughout, throughout the entire lifespan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my advice for listeners would be, it's a lot easier to stay young than it is to get old and then make yourself young again because I've done the second one, it's damned expensive, and it takes a lot of time and energy. And I know people who start younger, and they just spend less money and spend less time and they enjoy their life more. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was hoping you were going to say that it was still effective for younger people. But since you've seen changes in muscle strength, are there pro athletes who are incorporating timeline into what they do? Are you guys uh, NSF listed and all of that?
3: Well, uh, that's a great, uh, point Dave. We think that timeline would be great for, for, uh, people performing, uh, various sporting activities and that could be pro athletes. Uh, we're in the process of, uh, getting, uh, the NSF certification and we'll have that this next year.
1: Okay. I've got a couple of friends who are very, very high up in their, in their field of sport. Um, uh, and I will, I'll reach out to them privately and a lot of them are saying, well, um, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily say NSF, as long as it doesn't have banned compounds in it, because NSF is very expensive. This is a, for people listening, it's a certification that supplement companies can go through, um, that assures that an athlete who takes it will be okay. Many pro athletes though, are, uh, they're clearly not violating any rules, but they're saying, well, as long as I know what's in there is what's actually in there, I'm okay. What they don't want to do is take some cheap, weird thing they bought off a random website and then uh, it has stuff that wasn't on the label and then they get in trouble. So I, I see a great degree of variance depending on which which athlete it is. But it, it seems like you might see some changes from strength athletes. Um, what about endurance? Is it gonna make a difference for those weird people who still like to run marathons as if uh, something's chasing them?
3: Well, I, I would hope that it would increase uh, endurance by acting on your um on your muscle cells and your mitochondria. It it should, right? (laughs) Uh, It should improve general muscle function. Back to your point on, you know, this question of questionability of, of of actives and ingredients that are sold out there. I think one of the things that it's important to note is that with our uh, urolithin A uh, ingredient mitopure that's in timeline, we've actually gone through the whole FDA grass process. So our product is, it is, uh, very, very pure. And, uh, and so there's no issues of any type of band substance as well.
1: Are people going to see like an immediate energy boost from this if they have mitochondrial problems?
3: Well, what we've, you know, what we've seen, as I was saying earlier, uh, each, each user has experienced, um, effects differently. So, some users say, "Well, I, I'm I'm seeing an effect right away. Uh, the first day I, I take it, it, you know, I, I feel I feel uh, an increase in in, in our in, let's see your muscle function or or endurance. Uh, although I would say that this might be um, a little bit optimistic to see something instantly. Well,
1: placebo is real. I mean, Big Pharma uses placebo all the time. I just beat it by a few percent, and there you go." Uh, so it, some of it could be placebo, but you have long-term clinical studies. And when I see it in worms and in mice and in humans, it's probably not placebo because mice aren't really that susceptible to it.
3: Right. And, and you know, when you study something, uh, we ran our, our clinical studies are double-blind placebo-controlled studies. Okay. So this is the the same quality that uh, pharmaceutical companies use when they evaluate uh, drugs. And, and so what... Well, what we saw as, as I was mentioning earlier in most recent studies is that we improve uh, muscle strength after four months and so this is um this is a real uh effect that takes into account uh, a placebo effect and um uh, yeah no we're we're very we're very excited about this we'll be running more studies um and i think um yeah and and now I, one of the interesting um uh avenues forward will be uh, the additional uh, new clinical studies that we will be running. And we're doing this together with uh, one of our partners. Um, uh, last year, we partnered up with Nestle Health Science, uh, which is uh, a, one of the, the leaders in, uh, globally in nutrition, uh, and and so we are conducting uh, new studies together to analyze uh, different pathways and, and different uh, mechanisms of actions and benefits that we can bring people.
1: That is uh, that's fantastic, and I love it that you're continuing to study this a lot more than that some compounds get, and because it's a metabolite, and because it's the only way you can get it, and the way we would do it before it, you have explained very. Uh, Very convincingly for me why I didn't see the benefits when I did take a acid because I'm Well, one of the 60% of people who doesn't do anything that make us have to pee. So (laughs) That was that was really enlightening So I'm I'm really excited that I I can take timeline and this is something that I'm on the one-year subscription plan Um, So I will be uh, continuing to take it uh, for at least a year and uh, measure measure my results and see how I'm doing I also appreciate that you guys are offering a discount for people listening to the show timeline nutrition.com slash Dave. And they do, you guys do four, eight and 12 month subscriptions because you've seen results for sure. After four months in your studies, which is is kind of cool. So you're like, look, you can't just do it for a month, do it for four months. So, you know, can I do two at a time?
3: Sure. I've done it two at a time. Yeah. Okay.
1: I might just double up. I'm a big guy.
3: Yeah. We've had people say, Hey, I've been taking it once and, uh, and now I'm, you know, I'm doubling it up, and I'm feeling better. Okay, I telling me that just uh, the other day. So I'll do that. We've been studying uh, the pomegranate and urolithin A now for over ten years, and and I think one of the uh, the most surprising things that we uncovered uh, was that this metabolite urolithin A uh, was acting on mitochondria because when we started looking at uh, the pomegranate. We thought there could be a whole host of different uh, bioactives that were responsible for the pomegranate's uh, benefits, health benefits that were being uh, spoken about. And and when we started really diving into the pomegranate and 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 studying it and and looking at this metabolite, uh, we were very surprised to see that. It was having such a potent effect on on mitochondria, and and I think that you know, this this thought that it can translate this effect from a cell into this miniature organism, the C. elegans, and and extend its lifespan by about fifty percent. This was already something quite surprising because there's not many compounds that can extend the lifespan of, of a worm. Uh, by so by so much that,
1: that's and, more than caloric restriction by the
3: way no it, it much more and, and it yeah. and and you see that you're you know you're boosting this mitochondrial function you when you look at these worms as they get older they're they're more active and and when we went into mice and and we were uh, feeding old mice uh, a, a regimen of of urolithin a in their foods and we saw this improvement in, in running endurance, uh, or we really, you know, this was really an observation that we had, uh, we were, that surprised us because we thought, well, you know, maybe you need to take this, you know, for six months to see, for mice to see the, take this for six months to see an effect. But we saw it in a very short period of time. And, and the fact that it, it translated into humans, uh, there's 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 not many uh, products that are translating from cells to mice to humans and uh, and showing this conservation uh, of a mechanism of action uh, and the fact that we've been taking you know as as a population uh, uh, around the world pomegranates and consuming all of these uh, fruits that and nuts that contain the pomegranate the uh, puni- punicalogens and elagitanins that are the precursors of urolithin A, uh, one can feel very comfortable about the safety also uh, of the product. So I, I think this whole, you know, the whole story about uh, how we consume the foods and, and we extract the, this urolithin A and that it it basically powers these, um, the batteries inside of our cells is something um, rather amazing. And it, you know, and it, it's a lot different than the what we've been told in the past that what's inside of your food is, is you know if you eat the right uh, fruits and vegetables you'll get all of the right nutrients that you need. But in work. Fact, <laughs> you need to have a, a, a mixture or, or of of the right foods, but also that having that right gut microflora to be able to extract those um, the benefits from these
1: compounds that are found in the in the, in the foods we're eating. I'm with you on the 50% increase. Just having reviewed so much literature on all the different things that increase lifespan in, in worms and probably in other higher life forms, you know, caloric restriction has been the gold standard. And uh, seeing a 50% increase, this is probably probably the second or third most effective that I, I've come across uh, in, in research. And yes, it doesn't translate direct to humans from worms. Uh, but directionally, it's probably going to give you a bump. And from my perspective, uh, we uh, we all want to be able to do that, and we all want to be able to you know find the right combination for us that can do it. And you've contributed something after ten years of research, something new uh, to the world of supplementation uh, for anti aging and muscle function and mitochondrial function, all that, uh, which is really cool. And so, thank you for for being on the show, uh, Chris and Avendra. Uh, your you know curiosity and willingness to to go to places that haven't been done before to do real clinical trials and to make a product that looks like it's got lots of evidence behind it, um, that it could do all sorts of good things for the body. Because from where I sit, man, mitochondria are the thing. You get those working and they'll fix a lot of other stuff. And if they're not working very well, they won't fix a lot of other stuff. So like I said, timeline is now an official part of what I'm doing. Uh, and I'm constantly evolving uh, what I take, and uh, I'm gonna be doing this for at least the next year, and I'm probably gonna double up on my dose just because, like I said, I'm a big guy, and because, hey, if it works, maybe you should take more. Kidding, that's bad advice, but in this case, I'll do it. And uh, I just wanna say thanks for your research.
3: Well, thank you very much for having us, Dave. Enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dave. Now, guys, TimelineNutrition.com slash Dave, and if this is within your means, you just heard all the evidence (laughs) these guys know what they're talking about these are are both very well credentialed guys um who've done something that no one else has ever done before that's right in the alley of biohacking and i think you should give it a try i definitely am have an awesome day